Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tēnā koutou katoa. I had a chat with an ex-student of mine, a friend of mine, uh, Piripi, uh, Philip McKibben, no Kaitahu, uh, Kaiterua Hikihiki ia. He's from Kaitahu. Uh, Kaiterua Hikihiki is his hapu. Piripi is a, a writer, a teacher. He currently works at the Vegetarian Society. He has an online blog. He ika hai hai kupinga, he ika hai hai kupinga com, where he discusses uh, interviews and writes about uh, Maori attitudes towards kai. Piripi is the author of his first book, Love Notes for a Politics of Love, which you can also find online. Uh, we also talk about uh, community, the importance of community in the journey of learning te reo Maori, and Piripi talks about kapa kōrero and his involvement in Kapa Kōrero, which is one of uh, the Auckland-based uh, community uh, kōrero meet-up groups, which is based in central Auckland. Nō reira anei a māua ko Piripi Kōrero. Kia ora e hoa. Kia ora. Kei te pē hea koe. Kei te pai. Ka pai pai te kite i a koe. Tēnā koe i haere mai i tēnei ata. Kia ora. Um, so, Piripi, we met in class a few years back. You're saying that was about eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. So around 2012, 2013. I was the teacher. You were the student. And one of the things that I love about teaching is that you meet these so many people, uh, and then sometimes uh, you you keep in touch and and or you meet up later on, and you're able to I'm able to have a fluent conversation with that person in Te Reo Māori, and you're one of those people. So when you came to to class, you had little or no no knowledge of Te Reo. Uh, nothing, I think, when I got to your class. I'd done an introduction to conversational Māori and then arrived in your class with yeah, with that, <laughs> which was very little. Yeah. So why did you decide to start learning te reo then? And why not earlier? Uh, I think that's a good question. I had been studying English and philosophy at university and I think I was just a bit tired of those ideas. So I was looking for something fresh and te reo Māori was... Yeah, very appealing. I knew about the classes at AUT. I heard, I'd heard that they were really good, and I had some encouragement from my Maori friends. Initially, we were supposed to <laughs> we were supposed to do it together, but uh, in the end, I was the only one who could make the classes. So, yeah. And and you stuck it out at AUT, you or did you go elsewhere? Uh, I was at AUT for quite a long time, and then I went to uh, Te Wānanga Aotearoa. Yeah, yeah, to do. Aotearoa and Pinakitanga. Yep. Do you think that fast-tracked the, the learning going into those full immersion environments? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I did Te Mahuri and Te Kohuri at AUT and they were beginning to be uh, immersion. But Te Wananga Aotearoa was 
next level. Uh, yeah, and it was great. Uh, yeah, I really think you need to be once you once you get to a certain point, you need to be in immersion to to really lift your real up to fluency. Mm. What's some of the tikanga that you um, you do or you did to help fast track? make that progress go a little bit faster when it comes to learning. So were there any kind of things that you would do, self-directed learning at home, um, that you think w- were really helpful and useful? Uh, I think the main thing for me was just to make sure that I was always doing something and always moving forward. And I would tell myself that it doesn't matter how slowly I'm going as long as I am actually moving forward and studying. Uh, so I would meet up with friends and take uh, you know, advantages of opportunities to speak, uh, go to lectures and so on. But I think the main thing was just actually making sure I was um, going to class and using those opportunities and actually turning up and actually keeping going even when it became difficult. Mm. Mm. And what what keeps you going now when it gets difficult? Uh, I think, well, it's become a lot easier uh, yeah. because you get to a certain point and you're able to communicate. Uh, and so some of that whakama sort of Mm. goes away Mm -hmm. Uh, i think uh now when things get difficult i i i just persist you know and Mm. i look for those relationships uh yeah surround yourself with with uh supportive people when you started learning to do maori this is something i find really fascinating but you 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 didn't know you were maori is that right yeah yeah uh so that's something i sort of discovered along along the path uh, were realized yeah that's I guess been one of the one of the real benefits of learning te reo Māori and one of the ongoing benefits of having it is uh, having that connection and being able to make that connection back uh, to my Māori tanga to my kaitahutaka um, so yeah on my mum's side uh, I have uh, learned uh, or relearned uh, that I whakapapatu kaitahu uh, the largest iwi of the South Island so my Māori ancestors from way back are from the very bottom of the South Island and uh, lived on Stewart Island as well. Uh, And I guess I discovered that through talking with my grandmother, uh, my mum's mother, uh, and she has been very encouraging of me, uh, both to pursue the language but also to uh, make those connections. Mm. How has that changed your view of Te Reo? Well, you know, you asked me when I, why did I start learning? And I started learning because I wanted something fresh. Now I wonder if there was uh, another, you know, uh, subconscious motivation uh, for wanting to learn. And, and I, you know, I, I think back to when I started and the people that I learned with, uh, especially non-Māori, and I think as I was going through, initially when I started learning Te Reo Māori, there were a lot of uh, non-Māori students uh, which was great, and a lot of Māori students as well. And then through the years, it became mainly Māori. And I think, why is it that it's more often Māori that stick to it? And I think there are, there is that connection to who we are and how we understand ourselves. And I think that's as important for me as it is to the next Māori person. So your queer is Māori on your mum's side. Mm-hmm. She's still alive. She is, yes. She she knew or she knows that you're Maori, but that that just wasn't embraced by the family. Yeah, and when I when I well, when I was growing up, there were 
looking back, a couple of mentions, but, you know, they came up in what I felt were quite negative contexts, and, Mm. you know, without going into too much detail, I think that maybe put me off a little bit, and also, you know, there was also, there was always in my mind, you know, I'm not Māori, you know, I don't speak the language, you know, don't Mm. go to the marae, don't, Mm. you know, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) look at me, that sort of thing, and I guess I had this shift in the way that I see uh, myself and what it is to be Māori and what it is to be Pākehā, and Mm -hmm. the shift was away from uh, essentialist notions of, you know, what it is to be Māori or not, Uh, and also that realisation that you can be Pākehā and Māori, so I identify as Pākehā and Māori, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that feels really comfortable now. Yeah, Mm. and that's all happened in the space of eight years. Yeah, yeah. While you've been learning te reo. I always remember Timoti saying, uh, mehe mehe whakapapa Māori tō, he Māori koe. And there's no ifs and buts about it. You're you're Māori if you have Māori ancestry, Māori whakapapa. Yeah. And it's not um, my grandmother was Māori or my grandfather was Māori. I'm I'm Māori because of that. So, a kapa kōrero, you said uh, earlier when we were talking that uh, when you um, started in my class, I encouraged some of you to attend Kapa Kōrero, so it must have started up around eight years ago. Uh, well, I, I think I was in your class for a few years, so I think it started up around 2014, maybe around then, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I remember you encouraging us to to go along, so it had been set up by the students of Te Mahuri. That's right. Uh, and I remember it was, I w- our classes were in the evening, and this group, Kapa Kōrero, was doing their thing on the same evening, so there was a clash, but we were told that we could go along afterwards, and they would probably still be there, and I was very shy, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't going to do it, and I think you encouraged us for a few weeks, and eventually, uh, I went with some friends along after class one day, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm so glad I did. Yeah. And Kapa Kōrero is, for those of you who don't know, it's a um, community uh, based in Central Auckland, of Te Reo Māori speakers and learners who come together, how often? About once a month, uh, sometimes more often. Just very informal, often at a pub or a cafe, like a corridor or group. Yeah, and we, yeah, we usually meet at a pub, Uh, sometimes we do other activities, we've had quizzes, um, bilingual nights, uh, hikoi, uh, Mm. things like that, over the lockdown, um, a couple of our members uh, Peru and Hawani set up uh, zooies, <laughs> uh, and so that was that was weekly. So that was really good. The the great thing about Kapa Corridor is its longevity. It's been going, and it continues to go. And as there are waves of people that come and go, and sometimes there's a more than other 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 hui. So we have quite a few members. So I guess the group is sort of organised on Facebook, and we have quite a lot of members on Facebook. We have. I would say, a core group of people who are like, mm-hmm. you know, who have, who have been there since the start and who have kept coming through. And we've had other people who have come and gone and some people who come and go and come back and go and come back. Uh, and each hui is very different. So sometimes there'll just be a few of us uh, and sometimes there'll be like 15, 20. Uh, so it really, it really depends. And that's great because with these different hui, you have different... Uh, experiences of the real so mm. sometimes you're having uh, a really deep conversation with a very small group of say four people and sometimes you're having lots of little conversations with 
you know, a big group of people. Uh, and yeah, it's all valuable. I, I still encourage students to go of mine, um, but quite often a lot of them say, I'm too shy or too, too you know, I'm not ready yet. But kapa kōrero is for, for everyone, isn't it? It's not just for fluent speakers. or It is, it is. And, and when I went, I was far from a fluent speaker. So when I went along, I was very intimidated uh, before I got there because I was thinking, you know, these people from Timahuri, the class above ours, are going to be, you know, so much more proficient than I am. Mm. Uh, and so I went along and... You know, they asked questions like, ko wai kwe, no fia kwe, uh, those sorts of uh, questions. Who are you? Where are you from? Uh, that I was able to answer. But also, uh, very importantly, I think they just let me and my friends just be there and listen and participate. And, you know, that's something that I'm mindful of now that I'm one of the people who organises the hui, is how to make this uh, a really welcoming atmosphere. And, you know, manakitanga and thinking about uh, what uh, newcomers need uh, in order to feel safe and you know that the benefits don't just come from talking they also come from listening and from being able to be in a space where te reo is spoken uh that isn't just the classroom yeah i think that's really important talking about creating a a welcoming space um i know you've you're based in central auckland so you've sometimes based at one particular pub for a while but you also move around to different areas have you ever felt unwelcome this, this Māori kōrero group in a particular pub or area by either the, the staff or, or other people around that are also dining and enjoying that, that space as well? Yeah, there has, there's one incident that uh, stands out uh, where we were made to feel unwelcome by the venue. We wrote to them, invited them to have conversation with us, uh, didn't hear back, and we haven't, haven't gone back since, but overwhelmingly the response has been positive mm. uh, and you know as one of the people who uh, liaises with these venues uh, you know I can tell you that when I call up or when I talk to them and say you know we had this multi-language group uh, we'd like to book a table or whatever it is um, you know we're met with enthusiasm so I think even though there has been a tiny little bit of negativity overwhelmingly there's a lot of enthusiasm for it and I think uh most people just think it's cool, you know, and like sometimes we go to the CAV uh, on College Hill. Uh, mm. That's one of the main places we uh, tend to gather. And sometimes we're next to um, other language groups like uh, French language group. And, you know, there's always interest in, in who we are and what we're doing. Uh, yeah. And so overwhelmingly, it's it's positive. So, yeah. So what, what what can you say to the people who, who are perhaps thinking about going to Kapa Kōrero or another group like Kapa Kōrero in their own community, but just um, just can't get over that, that little hurdle of, of getting there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I would say I definitely understand that. Uh, I think, you know, it's hard learning to do mm. for all sorts of reasons. And you have to be brave. And, you know, some of the, thing, some of the things that I did went with friends, uh, especially the first time, went with a group of friends. Mm. Uh, that was really helpful. I... <laughs> I felt uh, less alone. Uh, also, you know, I used to catch the bus to Blacknote, the, uh, who used to be held in Blacknote, um, which is a pub on Simon Street, which is no longer there. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, but that was a really cool place. And, mm. you know, we used to gather there and I used to catch the bus from wherever I was to there. And, you know, the bus would go right up 
right up to the pub that I would get off beforehand and sort of psych myself up and, you know, switch my whakaaro from Pākehā to Māori, uh, change that way of thinking from English to Māori uh, and give myself a little bit of time to warm up. I think at the end of the day, though, you just have to you just have to do it. You just have to turn up. And from my observations, I don't know whether you or not you agree with this, but I think the people who I see becoming uh, better and more fluent are the people who stick with it and who just accept that you know it is challenging uh, and you know just embrace that challenge and keep going. Yeah. But you know there are all sorts all sorts of reasons why we feel those challenges and. And I don't think the experience is the same for any single individual. So, you know. Why is it hard? And what are some of those challenges in general and in your own personal experience? Hmm. Well, I think language is a difficult anyway. Uh, with te reo Māori, there are a few things that attach to it, in my personal opinion. Uh, like the fact that almost everybody, if not everybody who speaks Māori, always also uh, speaks English. And so... There's always that uh, possibility of communicating in English, so you actually need to be committed to speaking in Māori with a particular person. Uh, I think because Te Reo Māori connects in complex ways to our identity as Māori, our identities as Māori, uh, there are challenges that come with that. Uh, you know, there's whakamā that comes with that, and, you know, that can be really difficult to work through. Um, and that... I think might not be specific to Te Reo Māori, um, but it's probably specific to Indigenous languages um, or uh, second language learners of you know their own Indigenous or their own language. Mm. Something that I have found really valuable about Kapakorero is the the opportunity that it provides to meet other people uh, in a Reo Māori context. Uh, so, you know, now that I am a fluent speaker. When people come along to Kapakorero who are new uh, and, who, and who are fluent, um, you know, when they come along, we don't greet each other in English, obviously. We greet each other in Māori. And so right from the get-go, we have that Māori language connection, that mm. language bond. And uh, what that means, in my experience, has been that when we uh, actually meet each other in other contexts, maybe we're... Um, you wouldn't presume that Te Reo would be the first language we actually... Um, stick to te reo. And if we find ourselves in context where we're maybe with a non-Māori speaker um, and uh, somebody who only speaks English and we're speaking English to them, we can easily uh, go back to te reo Māori. And so that is our sort of first language in that relationship. And so I think as well as providing a safe space for learners, Kapakorero also uh, provides a space where uh, fluent speakers can meet other fluent speakers and establish that language bond and that commonality and, you know, support their own language in that way. And that might be one of the reasons why it's been going for so long because it embraces beginners, people in, in the middle, I'm probably one of those, and then the uh, more uh, more fluent, more developed uh, language speakers. Yeah. Mm. Do you think there needs to be more kaupapa like this? Well, I think it would be great if there were if there were more, yeah, mm. yeah, and in different places. And I know that there are different things popping up all the time. Yeah, I definitely encourage people to <laughs> to think about doing it in the area where they are. Um, mm. Yeah, and put some thought into into how you can make it as welcoming as possible. Yeah. And I mean, we're always uh, cup courted, or we're always um, happy to talk about what's worked for us and mm. yeah, share for cardle. And part of the uh, aim of cup courted is uh, to. Uh, normalize te reo, uh, to make it 
uh, normal to hear uh, te reo being spoken and normal to be able to speak it, you know, in public places. So it's not just uh, in the classroom or in the home or on the marae. It's also just everywhere. Uh, and, you know, I think as that, if that and as that uh, continues to happen, uh, we will see more of these groups hopefully popping up uh, as it becomes more acceptable to be able to do that. And therefore, you know, reinforces that mm-hmm. in an ongoing way. Mm-hmm. Going from joining this community to joining a, a bigger community, I think community is like a common common kaupapa here in this kōrero, you went along to kūrero at some point, mm. and that must have been a, and one of those hurdles you had to build up the courage to, to get over as well to, to jump into that community, which is, a, is 140-odd people at a kūrero. Yeah, yeah. And a week-long, full immersion uh, course. Yeah, 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 and that that was challenging. So I've been to quite a few now, but I remember the first one that I went to, and you know, I I, I had the same strategy. I went with friends, and actually, the friends that I went with were uh, from Kapukoredo. So, you know, uh, the first one that I went to was in Tokoroa, and uh, I went with Joanne McNaughton uh, and uh, Teatamito. Jennifer Ward Leland was there, um, Joe Pinnell. So, you know, had that community from Kapa Kōrero in the Kūrereo. So, mm. yeah, that really helped there. So, you know, forming these friendships and, you know, that's helping you to grow. But, yeah, Kūrereo and <laughs> difficult, but so rewarding. Mm. Um, I think community is such a huge thing and the willingness to be uh, involved uh, with, with the community or having to go outside of your comfort zone to involve yourself in, in the community, whether it's just you and one other person as, as a, a couple learning or, or as a bigger group. Because mm. it's hard learning to deal. It's even harder if you try and do it on your own. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, learning to deal for many people, and, you know, this is definitely the case my experience, is also about reconnecting with your Māori culture and and certain ways you know it might not be completely rediscovering that you are Māori but uh, you know learning what it is to be Māori finding out more about your Māori tanga uh, and yeah community helps with that and so it's not just supporting te reo even though that might be the the kaupapa that's talked about the most it's actually helping to support you know you as a whole mm. 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 so what's what's keeping you keeping you on now so I'm at an interesting point. So I've reached a stage where I would say that I'm fluent, but, you know, obviously there's always going to be more to learn. Uh, one of the great benefits uh, to me of learning te reo has been, as I said, reconnecting with my kaitahutaka, and, uh, which I've been doing uh, largely through Atimi Kura Reo um, in Te Waiponamu in the South Island. You know, I might not have been able to establish these connections, especially not uh, this uh, quickly, without te reo. So I think that's one of the things that keeps me going, is um, building those up. Uh, yeah, but I am currently thinking about what my what my goals are, what my uh, whaenga are for te reo. And because I'm no longer uh, taking classes, uh, so, yeah. Mm. What are the next steps? It's, fa- it's a good question, and I think that question, uh, you know, what is it that drives us? What is it that keeps us going? What What is it that we want um, for te reo Māori and for ourselves as te reo Māori speakers and for our communities is 
you know, a question that demands an answer. And maybe that might be the the answer to how and why we revitalize Te Reo Māori um, at a nationwide level. Mm. Well, on your day-to-day um, goings-on, how many opportunities do you have to speak to deal? Very, very few. Yeah. Very few. Um, so, and most of those opportunities are online um, or yeah. or on phone calls. So, yeah. you know, Kapa Kōrero is one of the main opportunities that I have to speak, and I mean that's once a, once a month or maybe mm. a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, I do a little bit of tutoring. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for a while, I was a high school teacher, and I was teaching uh, Maori there. I'm not doing that anymore, but I am doing some tutoring of adults, um, and that's mainly through Kaitahu and Tāmaki. Uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of writing. Sometimes there's a little bit of Māori in that, but yeah, uh, most of the time not. Uh, so I wish I wish I was doing more work around mm. uh, that involved Te Reo Māori, but uh, currently I work in a very small office. There are two of us, uh, and my colleague doesn't speak Māori, so yeah, not too many opportunities for speaking. I was just thinking about this yesterday or the day before about when in your mind is it okay to just be a speaker of the language and not have to be actively uh, formally learning anymore or feeling like you have to or feeling like you have to continue being involved but but just live and be a speaker and then have those you know interactions with those people that you do have in your life who you do speak to deal with and and the informal learning will always continue through reading and, and watching and listening. But I think there's still this something in our minds, um, but because of the situation with Te Reo Māori, we're, we're still in that phase of revitalising, normalising, and we feel a commitment to that. But when is it okay, just like anyone else who speaks maybe Spanish or another language, to, to just be a speaker mm. and be okay with that and your work, your life might not have been into te ao Māori as such, but you're comfortable in, in knowing that you know your language and, and that's enough. Yeah, no, that's something that I think about as well. You know, like you, I, I guess I would, I feel a sense of responsibility to share what I have because I recognise the privilege of, of having been able to learn and having those opportunities to learn. And when I look back, you know, it's easier to make sense of make sense of your life looking back on it rather than looking forward. When I look back, I just feel so fortunate to have had these opportunities like the classes at AUT, like the wonderful teachers at Te Wananga Aotearoa, Kapa Kōrero, you know, it's just, you know, been so much richness and uh, those are the things that have helped to get me to this point. And so, you know, I think there is that, it is privilege and it is a res- there is a responsibility that comes with that to share it. Mm. And I guess I'm not sure that, that with Te Reo, that there is that that point that you get to where you just have it as an individual and, and mm. think of it that way, you know. Mm. And and that is a challenging thing, I think, because it's that responsibility is something that sticks. <laughs> you know, how do you shake that? And I mean, would you want to shake it? I mean, yeah, we're so fortunate. Yeah. And share, you know, thinking about thinking about learning and uh, developing, you know, when do we get to that point? Well, you know, we're always learning in everything we do. I mean, I studied, as I mentioned, English at university, and now I write a lot uh, in English, and I know that, you know, as somebody who is pretty competent with Te Reo Pākehā, I still know that I have a lot to learn about that language, you know, it's going to be lifelong learning, and it's, it's the same for Māori, but that learning is tied up with the teaching, 
you know, and that sharing, you know, when you are teaching and sharing, you're learning more and more as well. So, you know, it's it's all bound up as long as we're as long as we're learners, we're teachers, and as long as we're teachers, we're learners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kia ora. Kia ora.